This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to preview week two of the NFL season is Ben Brown, NFL data scientist, content contributor for, for Pinnacle. You can also follow him on X at Ben R. Brown. Okay, Ben, so we got to start with the lead story here. Aaron Rodgers uh, likely done for the season with that Achilles injury. Really tough break for him, really tough break for the Jets. We do have a look-ahead line against the Dallas Cowboys, who look spectacular in week one against the Giants. Dallas at home, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 40-and-a-half. Where we sit right now on a Tuesday, do you have a play? Uh, I don't have, I would say, a really strong lean. Obviously, there's no part of me that wants to touch the New York Jets, kind of given the current state of where they're going to be at offensively. And and very much, you know, they, the, the Cowboys turned Daniel Jones into some, maybe even a lesser version of Zach Wilson like we saw on Sunday Night Football. And I, I feel like really, really not great about how, what they're going to actually make the Zach Wilson look like if that's the direction that the New York Jets actually go. So I think from a pressure perspective, like, there's just not a lot that the Jets are going to be able to do offensively given how good uh, that front four is for the Dallas Cowboys. So outside of maybe, maybe you don't feel like overly confident in the Cowboys and you want to tease them down to two and a half. But outside of that, uh, I very much think that the only spot that I could really play right now is the really heavy favorite in the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I'm not sure locking that in, you know, this early on in the week is maybe the correct call. All right, we were on the same page with the NFC West, and we all look really stupid after a one-game sample. 49ers out of this world. The world is, is on Pittsburgh as a short dog. No chance in hell. The teasers are blown up there with the Steelers. And uh, then Seattle just completely lays an egg on a team that many people believe is going to be, and maybe they, they still will be, one of the worst uh, teams. Let's look at uh, week two and then big picture. It's now six against Detroit. Six at Detroit coming up. uh, When it was five and a half, I'm like, okay, it's going to come down. Nope, we're sitting at six. And here's the other one that I I saw this morning, Ben. Do we need to consider this? Before Sunday, it was down to two to one to win the West. Now it's plus 650 for Seattle after one whole game. Yeah. That's, I think we have a pretty good, you know, a buy low opportunity on the Seattle Seahawks. I very much like them against the spread here at the plus six number against Detroit, who was, you know, they did win the game against Kansas City, but I don't think there's like a strong feeling that they played overly well in that particular matchup. So I, I am going back and watching some of the things that Seattle really struggled with from, you know, the game against the Los Angeles Rams. But to me, you know, that was, 
kind of a masterclass from Matthew Stafford and maybe the the fact that he is still going to be, you know, a perennial top five type quarterback uh, against this particular defense and the whole offseason for Sean McVay to actually prepare. I, I think obviously benefited the Rams quite a bit. I do still think Seattle can kind of figure it out from a secondary standpoint. I do think we're going to see that on display here in week two. So although the gap maybe widened a little bit from San Francisco to Seattle, I still think that, you know, when it's all said and done, Seattle's at least going to have some say in how this NFC West is is going to play out. So I do like them at plus six, but kind of like you mentioned, the, the, the 6.5 to one price on them to win the NFC West is at least somewhat intriguing because although everything kind of broke correctly for San Francisco in week one, um, you know, and, and they did get Nick Bosa kind of back in the fold and they could easily have the number one defense in football. Like a, a lot of the things that we kind of bought into from Pittsburgh's perspective just weren't there. Cameron Hayward injury obviously played a pretty significant role in how successful the four Niners were rushing the football. So I do think, you know, with the one game sample and the overreactions that are happening, I do still think Seattle is at least for one more week, a team that I definitely want to buy into here in 2023. Yeah, it's tough to figure out because Geno Smith, uh, we saw what he was like before the Seahawks, and then it was like, ooh, week one, you don't want to overact too much, but is regression coming? But Geno Smith, Ben, not alone. Handful of quarterbacks week one that did not look good. Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett after that phenomenal preseason. Josh Allen, which one of these do you think will bounce back and we shouldn't overreact too much to? Oof, that is that is. I think you could take your pick basically because I think uh, you know you know some of the quarterbacks that finished high from PFF grading perspective were not the ones that we necessarily uh, I would say kind of picked um, you know to really kind of showcase where this league's actually at. And I think it was like probably like the second worst. Uh, you know, overall quarterback grading from a week one game dating back to like 2013, basically. So overall, you know, the, the, the landscape was really poor. Um, I, I do think, you know, there's definitely some flashes of guys that, you know, we've talked about previously on this show that are very much going to kind of continue to play really well. But for me, the guy that I do think is going to bounce back and is getting, you know, still a lot of hate, um, you know, even today, basically, but Josh Allen in the turnover situations, you know, he's being very much compared to Dak Prescott, but I think both those guys are, you know, really strong quarterbacks. And I, I do think there is some mentality of, you know, quarterbacks breaking through this sort of proverbial ceiling. And maybe there is an expectation that they never kind of come back down to earth. And maybe we have kind of seen that play out a little bit. And I do think the loss of Brian DeBole is pretty dramatic to where Josh Allen is actually playing from a quarterback perspective. But I still think it's a situation where, you know, there were, there were flashes, there were good throws, some, you know, some things didn't necessarily break right for him, but I think overall he's still a guy that can be like a top three quarterback at the NFL level. And I do think we're going to see that kind of progress here and, and very much kind of get them back into the thick of things from the AFC East, you know, playoff race, even after this loss on Monday night football. So I think Josh Allen's probably the guy that I want to buy low on. I think he just offers too much from both a running and passing perspective where and the turnovers and the turnover plays are very much going to still happen, but the upside plays I think will kind of continue against the defense that maybe isn't, you know, the, the best secondary in football, like what we saw from the New York Jets last night. We do need to circle back on the Aaron Rodgers news uh, just because it has just broken that an MRI has confirmed that Aaron Rodgers officially tore his Achilles on the fourth play of the game of his Jets career. And as Adam Schefter pointed out, Rodgers' season is officially over. And there are also questions about whether his Hall of Fame career is over. So a lot of speculation as far as uh, if his career is over, definitely a tough break for him. 
But now we're going to talk about the betting angle. So, Ben, when it comes to secondary consequences to this news that Aaron Rodgers' season is officially done, what in the futures market stands out to you? Yeah, this is this is really tough because, you know, in a lot of ways, not only is it Aaron Rodgers, but now you're – and you were kind of forced to buy into this, I would say, before the Aaron Rodgers injury, but it was kind of this relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett and, and, and how much blame Hackett kind of deserved for the fallout that happened with Russell Wilson last year in Denver and just how impactful he actually was to the lack of success that they actually had. And now, you know, going back to it, like – Hackett's probably going to be coaching up a, a quarterback that has been probably the worst guy that he's had in the building in quite some time. So I think defensively, you know, the, the Jets are still very much going to be there, but there's just not a lot of hope, I would say, for them to actually be, you know, an, an upper echelon elite type team in the AFC, especially given the next four game schedule that they have. I think the first five games of the season, counting that Bills game, you know, was easily probably the most difficult stretch of any team in football. And, and to face that now with Without Aaron Rodgers in the fold and they very much even if they do get a veteran guy kind of in the building not going to be ready I would say to really kind of contribute until that week four week five type time frame if they do make a move here basically today so I think it's you know very much it's hard to fade them as eight and a half point favorites you know against Dallas but I very much think they're a spot that you kind of need to see it or prove from them first that Zach Wilson is at least capable of navigating an NFL offense before you'd really want to buy into them but I do think it kind of changes Changes the complexion of you know the, the the AFC East in general quite a bit as well. Obviously, you know the Miami Dolphins um, you know looked really good and poised and are now kind of the the odds-on favorite. I would say at DraftKings at like plus one thirty-five to win that division. You know, in a lot of ways, you maybe miss the the boat on that a little bit. So I'm not quite sure there's a futures play on it. But kind of going back to the discussion with Josh Allen, like if you do think he can still kind of I would say get to that level of where he was at, you know, in the 2020 and the 2021 season. Like I do think the bills at plus 145 uh, could kind of come away from the AFC East and could kind of be those contenders. Cause I just don't think, you know, with the jets and the Patriots and, and where they're going to be at offensively, I don't see either one of those teams really kind of in the fold. So it seems like you're either, you know, buying late on the dolphins or, or maybe buying low on the Buffalo bills. And I would prefer to, I would say kind of gravitate towards the bills in that scenario. Ben, the regression monster has arrived for your Minnesota Vikings. Happened in the playoff game. It happened on Sunday. One score, losses after going 11-0 in the regular season last year. You knew it was coming. Uh, it's just like how extreme is it going to be? Uh, what do you think about the Vikings? And we've got Thursday night football. They're on the road. Eagles almost lost to the Patriots. So it, right. it's the team that plays in uh, one-score games for a living, and they're getting seven? What do you think? <laughs> It's it's going to be scary. I, I mean, I do think, you know, offensively, like the Vikings very much, I would say were successful moving the football for a, for a lot of possessions in, in, in the match against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in some ways you would expect that. And, and, and the turnovers and those sorts of things, obviously, were, were probably the main reason why the Vikings weren't, weren't victorious. But there was also some scenarios where they probably should have stepped on the gas pedal a little bit more and, and really didn't do that. And I think that kind of goes back to Kevin O'Connell uh, and where they're kind of trying to head offensively. But to me, like, I, I, I do think the regression has definitely happened. I do think they are probably going to struggle in one score games. But to me, the turnovers in, in some ways are going to get cleaned up a little bit. Um, you know, 
things towards the goal line in particular, um, you know, really didn't break well for them, I would say. So I do think that they can kind of hang with a Philadelphia Eagles team that was very much kind of this, you know, tail of two quarters sort of thing where they did seem like they were going to, in a lot of ways, blow out the New England Patriots and then kind of got slowed down by Bill Belichick kind of once they got past that scripted play set that they had offensively. Um, And and I think that, you know, that's kind of going to be where the Eagles struggle with, right? Like you always talk about, you know, the offensive coordinators and going to head coaches and how that kind of impacts the team that they're heading to. But the fact that they did lose Shane Steichen and they did lose Jonathan Gannon and they kind of need to figure out this whole offensive and defensive scheme type thing on the fly again. And there is a continuity aspect that is very much missing from them. I think early on in the season, that can easily be a spot that you, you know, in some ways fade. And if that means that you are buying into the Minnesota Vikings on a short week traveling to Philadelphia, I think that's got to be the correct spot because I'm just not comfortable, I would say, laying seven given the performance of what we saw from the Eagles in week one and then kind of some of the priors that we we have as far as like an expectation for just where they're going to be at kind of to start this season. So I, I do think the Eagles are still very much the team to beat in the NFC, uh, but I think it's going to take a little bit of while for them to actually get to that point. And, and given what we saw from them last week, I do think the Vikings at plus seven, if they can win the turnover battle, uh, are probably easily going to cover this game, I would say, on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's go, Kirk. Get the prime time, you know, back? And off they- your back. Yeah, and if he and if they if if he does blow up again and it is like a twenty one point loss, then we can always trade him to the New York Jets. So I think Kirk tank. We want to tank oh, as well, but make or break time for Kirk the Vikings. In New honest, York. So, so. Oh my goodness. Jokes <laughs> what could go wrong? How about Chiefs at Jags? That is one from a fan perspective. I'm just excited to see this totals at fifty one and a half. Chiefs three point favorites at Jacksonville opinion on a side yeah, or the total I like I like the spot for Kansas City I, and kind of you know the, the takeaway a little bit like I, I do think the Colts played really well against the Jags in week one and, and in a lot of ways like things kind of got away from them towards the end of the game but they were very much in the thick of potentially winning that match but in some ways it was kind of an underwhelming performance outside of the Kelvin Ridley you know explosive type plays they didn't have a ton I would say else from an offensive standpoint for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I I like the Chiefs here in a rebound spot. Obviously, the rest differential is going to play a pretty vital role. Sounds like Travis Kelsey is going to be back in the fold. And and in in the way in which the Chiefs kind of, you know, opened up the season isn't reflective of where this team's actually going to be at. And I do think it was really unfortunate timing. You know, looking back on it, when Travis Kelsey actually got injured and the and the game plan and everything else kind of needed to evolve relatively quickly and that's a really tough task I would say for a team that is so top heavy like Kansas City but getting him back and in the fold I think we're going to see the best version of Patrick Mahomes I think we're going to see the best version of Andy Reid and, and I very much think this is a spot that the Chiefs are you know going to have an opportunity to win at the end of the game if they are losing throughout and, and very much should be able to probably cover that three-point spread as well so give me Kansas City don't want to touch the total because kind of like you guys said it's uh it, it could 
could be a shootout game, and it could be very much, I would say, probably the best game on the slate here in week two. About 60 seconds left, Ben. As far as the cellar dwellers that did start the season 1-0, like the Rams and the Raiders and the Buccaneers, which of those teams are you updating your priors on to say, actually, maybe we need to rethink them that they're more of a mediocre team than a bad team? Yeah, I very much do think it's the Rams. And and in some ways, it might be my, the fact that I was so high on the Seahawks kind of heading into the season and, and how well they actually looked. But, you know, to me, like, it was tough to project what they were going to be like with Matthew Stafford in the fold and without Cooper Cup. And, and it very much it seems like they didn't really skip any sort of beat, I would say, without Cooper Cup in the fold. They are still really top-heavy, but it does seem like it's a situation where Aaron Donald can kind of carry that front four and still really get after the, the, the quarterback in even like two and double and triple team type situations. And, and I think that that's a spot where they can kind of win some football games. And if Matthew Stafford is going to play as well as he did in week one, like they are a team that, you know, could at least have some impact on, you know, the playoff the 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 like the uh, I'm totally blanking on the word that I'm looking for right now, but the wild card playoff berth, um, you know, that does seem mm-hmm. so wide open from an NFC perspective. So I, I like the Rams quite a bit more than where I was at last week, and I think they very much are the team that I've updated quite a bit. I would say from where they were at even in the preseason. Ben Brown, NFL data scientist. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, some futures plays that we might like after the news has become official that Aaron Rodgers is done for the season. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM.